on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Swain, a ground ball down the left field line. It's fair. That's going to win it for the Brewers as Garcia comes in. And the crew in 10 innings beats the Giants by a final of 2-1. to one. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Matt Foley. The legend of Rowdy Telez, it grows, it continues. It's simmering right now here at American Family Field. Welcome in to Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. After a fun night, a night that felt like a playoff game, and when all is said and done, the Brewers find a way to win in 10 innings by a 2-1 score to uh, strike first in this three-game series against the Giants that could be a preview of the NLCS. You never know. You never know. We've got you for the next hour and 13 minutes. Want to join us? That'll take us to midnight, by the way. Want to join us? You can do so by calling or texting into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is one where you look at it, the look at the way this game went down. Uh, you appreciate the starting pitching of Corbin Burns, who went seven innings, allows one run on four hits, five strikeouts, one walk. He had a really, really uh, nice day. Um, also, I mean, you, the, what do you say about Rowdy Telez? What do you say about him at this point as he just continues to come up big? He comes up uh, two for four today, easily could have had three hits, uh, and as he had a hit taken away from him, which would have gone for extra bases, even the home run um, that was hit by Avisael Garcia, a weird home run off the bat, it looked like uh, it was going to be like a bloop, just like a blooper to left field, and then the thing kept carrying, like as I'm watching this thing off the bat, I'm thinking, hey, that's got a chance to bloop in the left field. And then a moment goes by. I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to be ca- ca- that's carried a little bit. That's going to that's going to go out to left field and be an out. And then it kept going, and all of a sudden it turns into a, a home run. Got to appreciate what the Brewers' bullpen was able to uh, do tonight. It's a tough time right now when it comes to the bullpen because of all the COVID issues. Uh, the Brewers kind of use their A bullpen group today when it comes to uh, Brad Boxberger and Devin Williams. But a lot of credit goes to Brent Suter as well. Suter, the way Suter pitches, he's not really built for extra innings just in the sense that he, he at times pitches to contact. He's not this you know, overpowering kind of pitcher, and that's what you want more often than not in, in extra innings. But what does Suter do? He goes out, he gets a couple strikeouts. He also got a little bit of luck behind him because that hard hit ball out to left field uh, was right at someone, so the catch ends up being made. Uh, but Suter does a, does a nice job, and the Brewers are kind of learning and figuring out how to win games during this time where their pitching is really being impacted by COVID-19. And this is going to continue to be a narrative that we discuss throughout the course of the next couple weeks. Another player going on the COVID list today and Adrian Hauser, uh, John Del Gustave, who is already on the COVID list as a close contact. Essentially, his clock gets reset now because he ends up testing positive. So it's a 
It's a thing. It is a big thing that this team is dealing with, but give them credit. They are finding ways to win games. 2-1, to one, the final score in 10 innings as uh, the Brewers uh, come away with the win. Again, if you'd like to join us, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Craig Kishon from Valley Sports Wisconsin. He'll join us coming up in just a little bit as well. Don't go anywhere. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Bobby sends one in the air in the left center. Warning track. Get up! Get out of here and gone! Abasail Garcia just hit one out of here and it looked like he got it for the most part with one hand. Ten innings, 2-1 win. The Brewers knock off San Francisco in a battle of two of the top teams in the National League. Welcome back in to Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ. If you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Again, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. You can also uh, tweet back into the program at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Got a few text messages uh, coming in. Jerry in Bayview says, kudos to Burns going through seven. That's that's an important point about this game because right now, as the Brewers bullpen continues to have these COVID issues, and uh, a couple games here against San Francisco, and then once they get into uh, this upcoming week, hopefully they'll be able to get Hunter Strickland and Jake Cousins both back, and things will start to maybe normalize a little bit once those two guys are able to return. But for you to be able to get a starting pitcher deep into the game is a really important thing right now because it helps set things up. And if you can get six, if you can get six or seven out of your starter, that really allows you to put your bullpen in the position where it has the best chance to succeed. And that's exactly what Burns did today. And then Craig Council was able to uh, put together his uh, his A bullpen group there with Brad Boxberger and Devin Williams, allowing uh, the Brewers to keep that game right where it was at 1-1, and eventually they were able to push across the run, thanks uh, also because of Brent Suter and what he was able to do uh, in the 10th inning. But absolutely, 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 the fact that Corbin Burns was able to uh, do what he did, uh, that is something that is uh, very important. Um, Doug texting in, well, I guess this series is going to live up to the hype. Uh, I love it. Suter with 11 wins as a reliever. Uh, asks if a uh, relief pitcher has ever led a team in wins. I saw that. Re- i got to double-check that. I saw that recently. I believe, yes, it has happened. I gotta lo- I'll look for that here, probably when the news is on at the top of the hour, and uh, I'll, I'll try to refresh my memory on that. And then he says, uh, let's sweep them. Like, let's take it one game at a time, Doug. Now, I mean, the Brewers, by I always think, and like this is simple math. I'm not saying anything that's exactly uh, worth changing here, but I've always thought that you you find a way to win that first game of a series, all you got to do is find a way to win one of the next two, and uh, you're in in really good shape to win the series. And uh, just watching this game, this is one of those games where it really felt like every pitch mattered, Uh, the the, the crowd was very much into it, this felt like a really... 
really big game, and we've had we've had that recently. The White Sox series kind of felt uh, the exact same way. Just in these these games feel big. The the moments feel big. I mean, we're going to remember when the when the season comes to an end, and we think back, especially if the Brewers are as successful as I expect them to be, especially if they win the division and go into the postseason, if they make a postseason run. But if they're a postseason team, at the end of the season, we're kind of reflecting back on victories. This is a game you remember because it's a game against uh, a team that's got a really good record. And there's a couple moments in this game that you absolutely remember. Of course, Rowdy Telez being the big one as he's able to to drive in a run. And, you know, the the thing with Telez, and we're going to speak talk a lot more about Telez, and once we uh, get past eleven o'clock and get into uh, the final hour of the program, but have we? And I'm 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 asking you this. In fact, I'd like to hear your response. Text in, tweet in, call in. This is the question: eight five five six one six one six twenty, eight five five six one six one six twenty. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yeah, you know, there there is a line that you cross where all of a sudden stuff starts to feel really legit. And, you know, let's say with Willie Adamas, because Willie Adamas came in here as a sub-200 hitter from Tampa Bay. But I think we can all sit here and say that what he is doing is real, that it's not just a flash in the pan, that it's not just, you know, him, him coming into the National League and, you know, whatever it might be. That, that is real. Willie Adamas has impacted this team in so many ways, and the results that he has been able to put up are are very legitimate. Do we feel that way yet about Rowdy Tellez? Has enough time gone by yet that we feel like this is... This is a version of who he is, and maybe maybe he's not going to be a 350 hitter. I'm not talking about that, but to 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 be a guy who is a very legitimate power hitting first baseman that you can pencil into the lineup on an almost everyday basis. David Stearns and Matt Arnold have done a spectacular job of finding guys who are able to contribute to the team. And sometimes they're guys that you, you they, they join the team and you know they're going to contribute. You know, and Eduardo Escobar, it's very clear the moment he joins the team that he is going to be a big part of what this team is doing. But when Rowdy Telez comes in, it almost felt like just a short-term stopgap measure to kind of fill the time between then and when Daniel Vogelback would return, and now you look at it in a very, very different kind of way. So that's the question. Are you a believer? Are you a Rowdy believer? 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. Craig Kishon from Valley Sports Wisconsin is going to join us in just a while when he wraps up his television. Vision responsibilities. Don't go anywhere. We've got the news in two minutes, and then we're back after that. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. One-two pitch. Struck him out swinging with a fastball. Inning over. Chance to win it for the Brewers in the bottom of the tenth. Two-one. Brewers get the win on the Rowdy Telez walk-off hit. Brewers win. They win again. They take the first series in this uh, first game in this big series against the Giants. Brewers came in 65 and 44. Giants at 69 and 40. 
who knows, could be a preview of the NLCS. If you want to join us, we've got you for another 54 minutes, 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Here's the question, because we're talking a lot about Rowdy Tellez. The question is, are you buying in as this being a really legitimate, this is who he is sort of thing? And when I say this is who he is, I'm not saying that the guy's got to go hit 340 and hit a home run every other game. But I am saying this is someone who you can put at first base a lot, and he's continuing to give you a, uh, a fairly high level of, uh, of production. Uh, some answers to uh, that question. Got uh, a few people asking, what happens when Daniel Vogelback comes back? Uh, good question. You, you probably know where I'm about to go. More often than not, those things tend to work themselves out, and especially on this year with everything that's going on from a COVID perspective. But the bottom line is, if everybody does get healthy, the Brewers are going to run into a corner infield roster crunch at some point in time because it's not just Daniel Vogelback. But it's Travis Shaw as well. And uh, both those guys are currently on rehab assignments at, at AAA. And they're going to be eligible to uh, be able to return. And there's just going to be some choices to be made. And, uh, in fact, we got a text message from the 262 uh, saying, yes, uh, Rowdy has shown up in a way uh, that uh, that's recovered well for Vogelback if it comes down to it. Vogelback and Telez platoon at first, pinch hit, leave Hira and AAA, Sean Escobar, uh, Sean Escobar platoon third, or Escobar if Sean needs more time. I, in theory, some of that makes sense. But in in practicality, it doesn't because there's not enough roster spots for everything that you just said to work out. There's just not. you got 26 roster spots, so there's really not a scenario where Rowdy Telez, Eduardo Escobar, Travis Shaw, and Daniel Vogelback are all on the roster at, at the exact same time. It just it, it probably is not going to work out. I say that and watch something crazy happen, and, and they, they do play it out that way, but it's it probably not going to work out. And I don't – Sean Escobar platooning at third, I don't, I don't think that does a whole lot for you. Vogelback and, uh, you know, a lot of times when you, when you talk about platoons – it's about the you know the righty lefty sort of situation. You know, it's not a platoon isn't so much a timeshare. A platoon is more based off this guy starts against righties and this guy starts against lefties. So that doesn't really apply to to Vogelback and Telez. Plus, what the Brewers did when they acquired Eduardo Escobar is they they're putting him at first base when left-handed starters are are on the mound. So from the righty lefty platoon standpoint, over at first base, you already have. Uh, Eduardo Escobar kind of doing that. So, um, uh, yeah, it just it, the numbers don't work. Right now, the numbers do not work. But I think it's pretty clear at this point in time that um, Rowdy Telez, you got to keep putting in the lineup uh, as often as possible. What he is doing, you, whether this is going to stick around or not, whether this is legit or not, 
whatever question you want to ask right there, as long as he continues to have the hot hand that he's had right now, you got to continue to pencil him in the lineup and let him produce for you, and uh, that's what he has been able to do. The Brewers have another tough choice to make. At some point this weekend, it would appear that Christian Yelich is going to be activated. He was able to clear through the intake protocols today, and he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to return. Uh, I had said that I thought it made a lot of sense for him to go on a rehab stint uh, to AAA and just get some at bats in against AAA pitching just for a day or two after he had not been available for a week. I'm not saying send him to AAA. I'm saying he's he's on an injured list, so you've you've got the option to send him on a rehab assignment. So give him some at bats. It does not appear that that's going to be a route that the Brewers are, are going to take. He was out taking BP. He was on the field today. They are being careful, considering the fact that he's had the back issues, considering the fact that he's been out for the last week and a half, that he really has done very little baseball activity. They don't want to just jump him uh, back into the... Um, just don't jump back into uh, you know base, into games. They're going to let him kind of ramp up a little bit, and that's what he did today. We'll see if he does that tomorrow. Maybe, maybe we see him on Sunday. I, I don't know exactly what the the timeline is going to be, but then that's going to create another question of of what happens next. And um, we know, like if you've listened to this show, you know that. I've said multiple times, it certainly feels like Tyrone Taylor is the guy that uh, right now you look at the outfield group and the, the group that it feels like gives you the best shot is Tyrone Taylor and Avisao Garcia and Lorenzo Cain. I say all that right in the middle of Taylor being in a really, really bad slump. He's 0 for his last 20-plus. He does not have a hit in the month of August. His last hit came in the month of July. So who knows? Maybe maybe when Yelich is back, some sort of uh, decision is forced there. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. Craig Sean from Valley Sports Wisconsin will join us when we return from this break. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley. To Rowdy Telez. Swing and a fly ball. Deep center. Back Yastrzemski. Warning track jumps. Bangs into the wall. Did he hang on? Yes. Oh, my. Mike Yastrzemski with one of the catches of the year. And he paid for it. 2-1. Brewers get the win over San Francisco. Game one of a three-game series. Welcome back into Brewers Extra Innings. By the way, just kind of putting a bow on something that we were talking about earlier. Uh, Doug had texted in asking if a relief pitcher had ever led a team in victories. It's happened numerous times. Uh, the all-time record for relief wins in a season was Roy Face with the 1959 Pittsburgh Pirates, and he led the team in victories uh, that year. So it certainly is something that uh, has happened and has happened uh, uh, multiple times. Not overly common, but something that certainly has happened. Let's bring in Craig Kishon from Valley Sports Wisconsin. What a game we saw tonight. Yeah, yo, man, that was something, wasn't it? I, you, you just got to love walk-offs, and, and um, to have the fans chanting rowdy, rowdy, rowdy again is, is really something. And how about Brent Sooner, though? Just to, just to talk about, uh, here's, the, here's the incredible thing. We have three all-star pitchers. Yes. Three all-star pitchers. <laughs> And this guy that everybody loves, but this guy has 11 wins out of the bullpen. Let me, it's amazing. Let me add a little more color to that. Three all-star pitchers 
who are going deeper into games than like any starting pitcher yeah. ever has in the, in the Craig Council era yep. of Brewers baseball. Yeah, and that's still happening. You, you're going seven innings. You should be getting the win, right? Yeah. But it it's it's nuts. Uh, what I mean, here's the thing about it. You never know what you're going to see when you go to the ballpark every day. I get that. But you're seeing uh, multiple ways this team is putting it together to win. And, and, you know, as much as it's hard to talk about because you don't know all the the things that they have to deal with health-wise, they do, though, have to deal with this COVID thing. And they have seven or eight or nine guys, whoever uh, many are on the injured list with that right now, and to have them do what they're doing is is absolutely incredible. They have the second best record in baseball still through all of this. Yeah, and every day, every day it's a new guy going on on the COVID list. You know, we we get the game notes emailed to us, and that's generally where transactions are listed. And the notes got sent fairly early in the day, so I, I open up my email and I immediately see that no transactions were listed. I'm like, okay, here we go. Off day yesterday, going to be a day without yeah, COVID yeah. stuff. And then, lo and behold, you get to the ballpark and Craig Council talks, and it, there, there's just more COVID issues going on. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about it, though, Matt, is they, you know, they're trying to be as um, smart about it as they can. Uh, they're not trying to overreact to something that they right now can't control. And and you hope that this is going to just run its course here in, in, in a shorter amount of time than, than it has been since it's been going on. So, um you know, let, let's try to get through it. The only way you get through it is you start bringing guys back that have cleared, and, and you hope that Kristen Yelich will be back tomorrow and start making that list shorter rather than getting it longer again. We saw Rowdy Telez come up with the game-winning hit, and he, he had a two-hit day today. Very easily could have been three. One of the greatest catches of the year against the Brewers uh, was made by Yastrzemski out there in center field. Um, when, when he first started hitting... It, it felt to me like okay, this is this is a good story and this is going to be fun and let's see how long the Brewers can ride him out. But it, it, as he continues to do it and the time continues to stretch out, it's really starting to feel like Rowdy Telez is a legit dude. Well, you know, there there's something to be said about a major league player. That means somehow you've earned your way to the majors, and and he didn't do with anything else but hitting to get this far. And obviously the numbers with Toronto this year and, and even last year in his short career haven't been great. Um, but certainly he's had a lot of potential beyond just power hitting. And, and I think, you know, he's in a good spot here right now. Um, it's a different setting for him. There's a comfort level for him that's second to none right now. I know Andy Haynes is, is working his tail off with him. He's, he's helped make him and, and help him rediscover himself, if you will, and, and show him some things. Everyone here has. And, and he's got a good group to, to watch and to be led by, that's for sure. Will Salmon covers the team for The Athletic, and I always encourage people to subscribe to The mm-hmm. Athletic. There's, there's great stuff there. Um, Will just did kind of a profile on, on Rowdy Telez that, that just published yesterday or, or today. I, I read it today, and it was really, really good. It was really good, so I encourage everybody to, to read it. Um, but one of the things I found interesting was Telez talks about, I think he was drafted in the 30th round, and he yeah. talks about wanting to be the greatest player to ever be a 30th round draft pick, yeah. which is a, it's a really cool kind of attitude yeah. to take. Well, you know, the other, the other thing about, about that is um, when, when he was traded over here, um, I, I did read a piece 
with him being drafted in the 30th round, he got, he got, I think, like an $850,000 bonus, something like that, to sign as a 30th round pick. I mean, absolutely unheard of. Yeah. But Toronto couldn't sign their number one draft pick at the time, and I wish I had it in front of me. Um, it was a pitcher who's pitched through our system. Oh, okay. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but of all strange things, so he ends up getting this bonus from what they were going to give their first-round guy. He gets it in the in the 30th round. I mean, that's incredible money yeah. for a 30th round. But um, he's gone through a lot. His mom died uh, of cancer right before you know, he made it big and into the big leagues and everything, and um, it is it is a very good article. He, he's a good dude. I mean, if you if you listen to his uh, uh, post game, um, he is he is a big time pro. I mean, he seems like he has been at this high level his whole career, and he's just starting to experience it now. He talks a lot about you know this already feels like home. Yeah, and he says that yeah you, know, you got your name being chanted, and it's a very chantable name, and that's what makes it fun. Yes. And uh, we've been doing the whole chant thing a lot lately it was bobby for the bucks and it's now rowdy yep. for the brewers yep. uh, but i mean for him to say like, you want to play somewhere where they chant your name like there's a there's a humility that kind of goes along with that if that makes it like he he's very appreciative of what he has here in milwaukee yeah, and, and it i think from his standpoint he wants to reward everybody he wants to keep hearing his name only for the fact that he wants to give Milwaukee fans the opportunity to keep saying it. Because if they keep saying it, then he's delivering for his team. Not not himself, but he's delivering for his team. That's the message I think that I get from him. Corbin Burns got, gave this team seven, which is what they need. They need starting pitching length right now yeah. as they continue to deal uh, with, these, uh, with these COVID issues, specifically in the bullpen. And... I, you don't know if the Brewers win this game if Burns cannot go seven. It kind of goes back to the, the Adrian Hauser game where he, he wasn't able to complete that inning because of pitch count, and then things went poorly. The guys who came in that inning probably would not have been coming into the game if Hauser would have gotten two more outs. I'm not trying to relitigate that game, but when you compare that game to this game today, Burns is able to push through and get to seven, and then that really sets up the Brewers to go Boxberger-Williams in the eighth and ninth, and that keeps it a tie game. Right now, that is without question the uh, most important combination is to get your get length out of your starters so you can get to Boxberger first out of the bullpen, and then Williams hopefully to finish things up. Um, Suter's done a really good job recently as well. Um, there's no doubt about that, but uh, you're right. And, and the fact is, like in tonight's game, Burns was cruising until that sixth inning had got a, the the first out, and then uh, gave up the home run to tie the game. Then then there was still traffic on the bases before he got through the sixth. Then he came out in the seventh and went bam, bam, bam. And and that's a testament to where he is in his career right now, too. You mentioned Brent Suter. Well, this is not me putting Suter down, but where he pitched tonight does not play to his strengths. That's not He's not the guy that you generally – he is a very, very valuable member to this team and to this bullpen. But when you think about what pitcher you want coming out of the bullpen to handle the extra innings when you got the runner on at second and everything that goes along with that, Suter isn't that guy. His skills don't always translate to having the most success in that moment. And it's a really tough place to be. Um, but what, what Suter did today, and he gets the two strikeouts – 
which were really important, mm-hmm. especially the first strikeout. Got a little bit of luck because the one hard hit ball is hit right at somebody in left field. But if you want to find the unsung hero of this game, it's Brent Suter and what he's able to do in the top of the inning. Yeah, it is. And, you, you know, you're right. It probably doesn't uh, suit him to come in in that situation. But given the circumstances yeah. of this team right now, who else would you want out there? That that A guy that's been through that, done that. I mean, the rest of this group that's out there right now trying to um, hold its own and, and try to do some patchwork while so many guys uh, are out of the bullpen right now, um, you you don't necessarily want to go to them first out of the gates when it comes to extra innings. So he he did a great job. You know, if I'm not mistaken, he, he threw a 90 mile an hour fastball too. So he was really dialing it up. <laughs> but you know, it, good for him. Good for him. Good for, good for the Brewers. It was uh, it was a solid solid uh, win here tonight. It was a good game to watch. It was. It, it felt like an important game. Yes. Something. Look. I think people who listen know how much I love the game of baseball. Um, there are times where games cannot be overly entertaining. This game of baseball, at times, you can have nights that are a little bit slow and a little bit boring, and then once you get into the postseason, you never see that. And the thing, the difference between just like an average regular season game and a postseason game is baseball. It's so different and has a lot to do with every single pitch mattering in the postseason. And this game tonight felt like one of those games where every single pitch matters. Well, I mean, look, there there are very few times you can put up the headline and say, here are the top two teams in baseball. They're meeting for the first time this year. We're into the month of August. I think if you're getting into baseball maybe for the first time this year, even even around here, given you know what the Bucks have done and now now the Packers are starting out, these are the games you want to start watching uh, to whet your appetite a little bit. You, you, I mean, the Giants and the Brewers are clearly two surprise teams in the National League. And I, I mentioned this the other day. They still don't get talked about. No. Giants don't get any credit. They've been in first place in the West since May 31st. And who gets the billing still today? Dodgers and Padres. Dodgers and Padres. Yeah. Who's favored to win everything? The Dodgers still. Uh, to this moment, and the Brewers don't don't get anything for the Central because their lead's so big right now. Now they're all of a sudden looking at that division, saying, "Oh, it's not really that good." But you know, but guess what? The Brewers are as solid as the Giants, and the Giants are as solid as the Brewers. Everybody else right now has their issues to deal with. I was thinking about this the other day, and it comes to those big city biases that can can exist. So the Brewers are, are pretty much the third team in the last month or so to be dealing with big-time COVID issues. The Washington Nationals dealt with it at one point, and the New York Yankees dealt with it at one point. When those two teams dealt with it, it's the top story on ESPN every day. Another Nationals player tested positive. Another yeah. Yankee player tested positive. If you go to like ESPN.com and where those top headlines are, I think maybe Hayter, when he tested positive, he might have been listed inside of there. But there has been there has been zero coverage. The Brewers are one of the best teams in the National League, and they have a legitimate COVID outbreak going on on their roster. And that's, from a news standpoint, it doesn't get much sexier than that in the world that we're living in right now and, and where you just say COVID and it's such a it's such a polarizing topic, yet this outbreak that the Brewers are dealing with really has not been covered from a national perspective. No, and the other thing about it, uh, Matt, those other two teams – 
started going downhill. They had a hard time dealing with it. They had a hard time overcoming it using whoever they had to bring in. And look what the Brewers have been doing. They, they continue to win. They won 10 of their last 13 games. They they continue to roll through this. And certainly it's not ideal. We, we want it to go away as quick as possible and get this team healthy again because here's going to be part of the setback on this. You're going to need these guys to come back that haven't played in nearly two weeks. They've been basically told to be in quarantine and you know sit around and get through this but still they haven't played major league baseball in a in a going to be a decent amount of time yeah you know christian yelich took bp today and and he was uh, and we don't know uh, he might get activated tomorrow he might get activated on sunday we don't really we don't really know if i was running things i would strongly consider sending him on a on an injured list rehab assignment to triple a just to give him some at bats in a game before putting him back in a major league game it does not appear that the brewers are going to going to go that route with him uh but and he's also somebody said the back issue this year so you want to make sure that as he hasn't done anything for a week and a half, that you don't start him too strong where he tweaks that back. So it really is a ramp-up process for him. So we'll see when he's back available. And then all at the same time, that looks like there could potentially be some tough roster choices to be made here over the next couple of weeks. Of these, you know, the, the Brewers roster is just mangled right now because of all this COVID stuff yes. and, and the way that a COVID player doesn't count against the 40-man roster. So then you get a free spot on the 40-man roster while a guy's out on mid, but when they come back, you got to clear somebody from the 40-man roster all at the same time, and that's going to create some challenges for this organization, you would think, and that first tough roster choice might be made at some point in the next day or two with yeah. Yelich coming back. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's, that's part of the issue right now of uh, he could have been activated today, but they decided not to do that. Um, he talked with uh, reporters. I was down there with those guys today and got a chance to talk to him a little bit. He said he's, you know, he's feeling good, feeling ready enough, but you know, it still goes back to our original point of this conversation that that these guys haven't been in a major league game in a while, and and if you keep turning over positive test after positive test and throwing more guys on that injured list, there there's just more and more things that that. General managers and managers are not used to dealing with this. is very, very new territory, and you can't take it and make it a huge negative. You got it. You've got to deal with it. Probably not a great time for Tyron Taylor to be slumping. Exactly, and he is. Yeah. He's o for his last twenty plus. His batting average in about a week has plummeted from 269 to 241. So whether that 28-point difference, he has done just such a fantastic job for this team this year, has been a part of so many big moments. It has felt like he's been part of the winning group and the winning lineup. But uh, when all of a sudden you're looking for a roster spot, if you've got a guy who's got options, who doesn't have a hit in the month of August, all of a sudden that may make one of those tough decisions that that path looks maybe yeah. a little easier. Yeah, and that's you know that's what this team has been doing all year, uh, anyway. I mean they're they're not going to keep a guy around that's slumping for very long unless unless it's one of your front line guys, and um, you, you just got to keep you know semi hot bats here at the very least and keep passing that baton right up and down the order because it's uh, the offense certainly has come along. A 2-1 victory for the Brewers. They knock off the Giants in game one of a very important three-game series between two of the top teams uh, in all of baseball. When we return, we'll get the post-game comments of manager Craig Council. This is Brewers Extra Innings.
This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. One, two. Curveball got him swinging. If that's it for Corbin Burns, he goes out on a high note. Retires the side in order in the seventh inning. It's time to stretch. All tied 1-1. That was it for Burns. Seven innings, one run on four hits. Burns goes out there, throws 105 pitches, 71 go for strikes, and the Brewers come away with the victory in 10 innings by a 2-1 score. Brewers' extra innings does continue here on WTMJ. Brewers manager Craig Council, who picks up career win number 500 tonight, uh, he spoke with the media just a little while ago, and he talked about what we were just talking about, the importance of starting pitchers, specifically tonight, uh, Corbin Burns pitching deep into the game. Well, I mean, anytime your starter gives you, gives you a performance like that, it, it puts you in really good shape. Um, so, you know, he, he was just on top of his game tonight, I thought, more than anything. Um, just really with curveball. I thought his curveball was a big pitch tonight. Um, landed his curveball a whole bunch. And, you know, you, you get seven innings from your starter, you're, you're set up pretty good to, to get through the rest of the game. And, and that's what he did. It was, it was really well-pitched game on both sides. Webb Web pitched really well as well. Um, but you know, I mean, our, our, where our bullpen's at right now, obviously, it's you know, the the, the more innings we can get from our our, our guys there, it's it's, it's going to help us out. Craig, it hasn't taken long for Rowdy to uh, kind of reach folk hero status in town, has it? Well, he's playing, you know, he's swinging the bat exceptionally well. I mean, he's, the big hits have started the last couple of days, but um, he, he's just he's a dangerous, dangerous at bat. Um, and he swung the bat great tonight. Shramsky made an incredible play, just missed a home run also. So just having good at bats. Um, and it's, you know, it's credit to, to Dave and his guys for recognizing a player that was, um, you know, maybe being a little in a, in a tough spot in another organization and, and ready to blossom in another, in, in our organization. I know you've been able to use your high leverage relievers these last two games, but just how big has it been the way, Suter, Williams, Boxburg have delivered these last two games. Yeah, I mean, any options. yeah. Well, it's you know, it's one thing to to, to use them, and then the, how they pitched, you know, has, has been really good too. So they, they've the, the inning Suter put up there when you start out with a guy on second is, um, you know, that's a big inning. And Box went through their, you know, the meat of their order, um, and Devin's been really crisp the last two times out. So you know, we're, we're we're going to have to use different guys here, but um, you know they've they've delivered in big spots and got us two wins the last two nights or two out of the last three nights. Corbin's uh, strikeout numbers were down, but his stuff looked pretty nasty. I mean, he's breaking a lot of bats tonight. From your vantage point, is that you know was that some of the nastier stuff you thought he had this season? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. This is a this is a tough offense. They they do put the ball in play, um, so. You know, you expect strikeouts to be down a little bit, but he, you're right. The bats, there weren't a lot of hard, there wasn't a lot of hard contact. Um, and it's, you know, we're going through a team that hasn't seen him really, um, seen him very, very little of them. Um, and I think that's helpful too. I think it's helpful for, for a guy like Devin as well, Suter, um, you know, getting, getting out of the division a little bit and some guys that we haven't seen him. So, um, but, but Corbin was, he was nasty tonight for sure. We that's the first thing we said after the game is that was that was some nasty stuff from Corbin. 
Craig, it was also a season high for him with curveballs. Do you think that was part of the plan to keep them off balance or maybe just how the night went? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit, he was just landing it so much. He had good, great feel for it tonight. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think with all guys, with guys like guy like Corbin, you know, you go into a game and he's got enough weapons, to, but when you get one that's really working well, um, you know, it, it's, you're going to go to it. And so he felt really good with it tonight. So we probably called it a little more than usual, but it's kind of a product of it being such a good pitch tonight. Craig, since this whole COVID stuff started, your your team is still winning games at a very high clip. What, what do you what are you learning about your team during this stretch, these last eleven days or so? I think it's it that there's a there's a focus here on on the task at hand. Um, you know, it, it's it's something that's on everybody's mind. It, it, it has to be. Um, and it's 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 more than a distraction. That's not the right word for it. Um, but I think when the game starts, we've been able to put it behind us and um, and enjoy being together, enjoy playing together, enjoy winning together. Um, and so, in that sense, it's you know it, the game is a little bit of the distraction from what's going on. And it's the guys have stayed focused on winning, um, and, it, and it's because they enjoy doing it together. Um, and, and so it's it's great. It's been great to see. Craig, I know growing up around here, you know, the hometown guy and everything, you have a real appreciation for the franchise and the history and everything. Do, you know, what, what does the 500 wins mean to you when you when you think about the guys who are managed in this franchise, like Harvey Keen, George Bamberger, you know, Ned, all that? What, what does it mean to you? Well, it's, it's, it's the same thing that, I'll, I'll tell you the first day that I that I was got the opportunity is that I I see this as a real responsibility. Um, I feel responsible for the for baseball in this city. Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I've gotten that opportunity. Um, grateful that I've been able to kind of take that ride um, and, and be a part of it. So more than anything, I still enjoy that. That's the that's the part of it that I still love and, and enjoy is, is having that responsibility um, in, in this city, in the city I grew up in and the, for the team that I grew up rooting for and got to play for. So um, that's still where I think about it. It's, it's a, it's a cool number. Um, not much more than that, but I, I still think about, um, you know, the opportunity that I've received to, to be able to manage the team. There is a vocal minority of fans who just don't like Craig Council, and I don't know how you can listen to that. I'm not trying to tell you how to be a fan, but if you love the Brewers, how do you listen to that last answer he just gave after winning his 500th game as the manager where he talks about the responsibility he feels for baseball in the city of Milwaukee and not just really appreciate him? I, I can't ever. Uh, I, it's. I think it speaks for itself, and uh, it's been cool. It's been cool to watch him do what he has done, and now 500 career managerial wins. How did win number 500 go down? We'll tell you what the highlights. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Ready for this? Fly ball. This deep right. And this third deck. Holy smokes! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Pauley. 
A 10-inning, 2-1 victory for the crew as Corbin Burns gets the start for the Brewers. Logan Webb makes the start for the Giants. It would be the Brewers who would strike first. It happens in the second inning with one out of Visael Garcia at the plate. Avi sends one in the air in the left center. Warning flag. Yeah, off the bat, it looked like it was going to be a blooper. It left the bat at just 97.7 miles per hour, which is not a hard-hit ball. Uh, It had a launch angle of 28 degrees. That helped. And uh, the Brewers get the 1-0 lead. So they hand that 1-0 lead to Corbin Burns, and he does a, uh, a pretty nice job with it. Somebody else who was doing a nice job in the game, Rowdy Telez. We might call that a little bit of foreshadowing. He comes up to the plate in the fourth inning with one out. And the pitch, driven to left center and deep, in the gap, get up, get off the wall, and Will, he's going to have a double standing at second base. Yeah, so that was his double in the second inning, which is uh, where I was going with this. Uh, He ends up being stranded on base. They strand two in that second inning, the same inning uh, that uh, Garcia, excuse me, that, uh, yeah, Garcia, hits the home run. We're trying to do a Rowdy Telez thing here. So Telez gets the double there in the second inning, uh, and uh, he ends up being stranded. He comes up to the plate again in the fourth. To Rowdy Telez. Swing and fly ball. Deep center. Back is Stremski. Warning track jumps. Bangs into the wall. Did he hang on? Yes. Oh, my. Mike Yastrzemski with one of the catches of the year, and he paid for it. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the catch, and he went hard into the wall. So that could have easily, you could say, it should have been another hit for Rowdy to let. So we'll get more Rowdy coming up uh, later on in the game. To the sixth inning, Corbin Burns continuing to uh, pitch well, but he would run into a little bit of trouble where with one out he faces off against Brandon Belt. And the pitch. Swinging and a drive to right. And this one is going to tie the game. He got inside, but not far enough, and Brandon Belt turned that one around and hit it out of here and just got out of here, but it got out, and the game is tied. Yeah, 1-1, and the Giants still made a little bit of noise. This was their opportunity here in the sixth inning. Buster Posey would get a base hit. Chris Bryant would end up uh, getting a base hit in the inning. Uh, The Brewers would commit an error, so there was a lot of bad things going, but Burns would get two outs, and he was facing off against Mike Yastrzemski. Burns, here he comes. Hey, hit one on the ground to Colton Wong. He has it and throws him out and no further damage. Giants get three hits in the inning. One run, no further damage. Yeah, that's a big moment from Burns to keep it a 1-1 game. Burns approaching 100 pitches. He would come back out for the seventh inning, would get the first two outs relatively quickly. Past 100 pitches on the day, he's facing off against Wilmer Flores. 1-2. Curveball got him swinging. If that's it for Corbin Burns, he goes out on a high note. Retires the side in order in the seventh inning. It's time to stretch. All tied 1-1. Yeah, it was it for uh, Burns. He pitches well, seven strong, giving up just the one run, but sets up the bullpen as Brad Boxberger is able to come on in the eighth inning. 
He uh, retires the first two batters he faces in Wade and Belt and then matches up against Buster Posey. Here it is. Hey, struck him out that time. Breaking ball, another strikeout. Back-to-back for Boxberger to end the Giants' eighth inning. Devin Williams gives up a base hit, nothing more in the ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth, Jake McGee comes on to pitch for the Giants, faces off against Manny Pena, who strikes out Eduardo Escobar, who lines out, and it brings up the guy who hit a home run earlier in the game, Avisayo Garcia. Swing and a fly ball into shallow right center and going to be caught by Wade, and we have extra innings in game one. To the 10th inning we go. New pitcher for the Brewers is Brent Suter as Alex Dickerson starts the inning at second base. Austin Slater comes up to the plate as a pinch hitter. He strikes out. Then Darren Ruff comes up as a pinch hitter. He lines out to left field. Hard hit ball, but Tyrone Taylor was right there. Another pinch hitter. This time it is Donovan Solano. 1-2 pitch. Struck him out swinging with a fastball. Inning over. Chance to win it for the Brewers in the bottom of the 10th. Not just a chance. They do it. Bottom of the 10th inning as the Brewers uh, start with a runner on at second base. That would be Avisael Garcia. New pitcher for the Giants, Jalen Garcia. And the first batter, the only batter he faces off against, is Rowdy Telez. Swain, a ground ball down the left field line. It's fair. That's going to win it for the Brewers as Garcia comes in. And the crew in 10 innings beats the Giants by a final of 2-1. to one. With the win, the Brewers go to 66 and 44. The Giants, they drop to 69 and 41. Winning totals for the crew two runs, five hits, three errors for the Brewers today, and they leave five for San Francisco. One run, five hits, no errors, and uh, they end up leaving seven. Winning pitcher Brent Suter, he is now 11 and 5, but don't call him the vulture, the loss to Garcia. He drops to 3 and 3. Home runs of Isao Garcia hitting his 19th of the year. Brandon Belt, he hits his 12th. The game lasting three hours and eight minutes, played in front of a nice crowd of 33,250 folks here at American Family Field. Brewers 2, Giants 1 in 10 innings. We'll come back, we'll give you some scores from around baseball, and we'll uh, get everything uh, set up for uh, game two of this three-game set. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Tell them that in there, would you? It's, it's, I'm not hearing nothing but... <laughs> that was Brent Suter talking with... <laughs> All right, come on, get it together, Matt. You got five minutes left in this show. Uh, that was Brent Suter talking with Jeff Levering uh, at the end of the broadcast and making that sound effect. Greg, is that what a vulture sounds like? That's what Brent Suter's vulture sounds like. <laughs> oh, okay. Brewers get the win in 10 innings by a 2-1 score. That was... Whew. Brent Suter's a funny guy, and him making that noise... I, I find that very funny. I, I hope I'm not alone in that one. Uh, you found it funny. Oh, you played it back, Greg. You had to find it very funny. Who finds it funnier, me or you? <laughs> I don't know. 
All right, we got to talk about baseball. Uh, if I start laughing, we we heard that earlier this year. If there was a moment with Scott Warris where we were doing a little crosstalk, and I lost it, and I laughed for like seven straight minutes. So we can't let that happen. Uh, not to, because that I would be laughing well past midnight. Brewers get the two-one victory. Manager Craig Council recording his 500th career uh, managerial victory. He joins Phil Garner as the only managers in franchise history to accomplish the feat. Council now has a career record of 500 and 456 for Garner. He finished out his uh, Brewers tenure with a record of 563 and 617. So Council uh, has a uh, significantly better winning percentage than uh, Phil Garner. The Brewers are now 20 and 6 against the National League West this season. That is a 769 winning percentage. And yes, They've been successful against the uh, two bad teams in Arizona and Colorado, but they've also had a lot of success against the good teams, like 3-1 and one against the Dodgers, 5-2 and two against San Diego, and now 1-0 and oh this year against the Giants. It has certainly been something uh, for them this year. As far as what else has gone down in the National League Central, day baseball today between uh, the Cubs and the White Sox. The White Sox... Uh, let this one go for a moment, but they were able to come back. They score four runs in the top of the 10th inning, and uh, they get the win over the Cubs at Wrigley by an 8-6 score. Kyle Hendricks got the start for the Cubs, went six, allowing two runs on seven hits. Reds had no problem knocking down the Pirates. 10 nothing was the final score. Wade Miley goes seven strong, gives up just six hits, five strikeouts, and two walks. And uh, the Cardinals, they defeat the Royals by a 4-2 score. So as we take a look at the standings right now in the NL Central with the Brewers and the Reds both winning, nothing really has changed. The Brewers continue to have a seven-game lead. Cardinals are 11.5 back, Cubs 14.5 back. The Pirates are 25 back. We'll continue to watch those wild card standings as well because the Reds might make a little bit of a run. The Reds are now within three games of the Padres for that wild card spot. By the way, a changing at the top of the National League East. The Mets and the Phillies opened up a series against each other tonight, and the Phillies won. So they are now the first place team in the National League East. And uh, we'll see how that series continues to uh, play out uh, over the course of the weekend. But that is a. Uh, that's a big series for uh, for both those teams as they try to position themselves into uh, into a postseason spot. And uh, round one goes to the Phillies this evening. Round one of the Brewers and the Giants. It goes to the Brewers by a 2-1 score in 10 innings. Game two of the series coming up tomorrow. Brandon Woodruff will start for the crew. The right-hander is 7-6 and six with a 2.26 ERA. First pitch scheduled for 6-10. Network coverage at 5-35. Look forward to talking to you after the game. Myself and Craig Kishon, as we'll be back with you tomorrow night for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings here on WTMJ.